Hey, Jay. Hey, Tyler. It feels so good I to be know. back. It's I didn't been realize. So long. I didn't realize it was a solid month. Yeah. That we were off. Yeah. Uh, it was like the unintentional. We. So just to bring it up to speed, we uh, had a very unintentional hiatus. We had even at one point recorded some audio just in the event that we would have to miss some stuff. It was just like, hey, this is us. We, we're going to take a couple weeks off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And by the time we realized that we were going to have to take this uh, uh, unintentional hiatus, I couldn't even access that audio <laughs> that we had used just to throw it up there. It was it was rough. Um, it, as, as with us, you know, we made these plans right before Tyler had a good vacation that I'm desperate yeah. to hear about the outdoorsman that I am. But, you know, it was like, you were leaving the next day, and we went. Yeah. Oh no, we have well, a problem. And we had, so we had <laughs> recorded. We we were fine, but then like we had kind of planned. It was a last minute thing, mm-hmm. but all of our last minute plans have always worked out. <laughs> so why wouldn't this one? <laughs> uh, where we recorded two episodes, mm-hmm. uh, and that's how I'm going to pronounce it now. Episodes. Episodes uh, with uh, with pre doc Rachel Jones. Yeah. Uh, just to to keep the tally above Jimmy in terms of total guest stars. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's and a they were great episodes. It's getting real serious it's, on oh, it's, Twitter. It's getting real, real. Uh, it's 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 a it's classic. Um, so we were we had those two episodes in the bag. They were fantastic. Like they felt real good on the record. I'm really excited about them. We went to put them together, and the audio of one of the three of us was completely messed up to the point that it was unsalvageable. There there have been times with some of the guests where I've had to do a lot of work to the audio to make it. Uh, listenable. This one was just too much. Look, I told you before, my voice is what my voice is. Like, there's nothing we can do about it. Well, this one, uh, particularly because I was leaving for vacation in like two days, uh, I didn't have time to really do a whole lot of editing and messing with. So, what what's probably going to end up happening having to happen because those were two good episodes. We're going to have to re-record those at oh, some yeah. point. That works because one of the topics was a trilogy of movies that we will leave unsaid until it, it yeah. drops. Uh, but this will give me time. I'll finish up the third because yeah. I was like two and a half movies deep before joining the conversation. So you guys is were it like, New Moon? So you've watched New Moon. Is it New Moon Part Two or New Moon Part One? I don't. You even, need to watch both of. I know that you're two. making a joke, but I don't know enough about the subject to make the joke back like that. It's funny to the people who know what I'm talking about, <laughs> which is like three people. Yeah, and I think that that's a quadrilogy instead of a trilogy. No, it's a trilogy. It's just there's four movies because they break up the last movie into two. So. It's a careful balance on something creative like this, because like I don't know about you, but this episode, like I'm coming back to it with way more energy yeah. than I had the last couple of episodes. Like a little yeah. break in there can kind of like, <gasps> okay, let's go again. You know, the thing that we've alluded to a couple of times is that uh, we, my family, went on a trip, uh, a, a potentially ill-advised trip. We'll see how that pans out during <laughs> quarantine. Whether any of us got sick, we have been planning for uh, over a year. My wife has really been put together. Uh, this national park trip that we were going to do when when you have a fourth grader um the national parks have had a long-standing policy that for a fourth grader they get a free pass to all the national parks for the year hey and that that counts for the entire car and so basically if you're taking a car you can get into any national park for free for the year and each and national parks are like 30 bucks a car yeah um so which is both a great price and not cheap kind of both ways um so, so if i took we, the twins and put them in separate cars then then you should be great yeah you could take up to like 14 people yeah into if you're taking minivans or you can take buses i guess or uh, <laughs> uh church vans i'll find a way to get 30 people system. In, yeah. Yeah. yeah um now the other thing i found out later is that you could also just pay 80 dollars and then you get an annual pass hmm. for all the parks so it's uh, in terms of the money that we spent on this experience, the $30 was negligible. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we planned this big national park. We had never taken a big thing. And there was going to be some camping. There was going to be – it was multi-tiered. We were going to hit as many national parks out west as we could. And we have next year our daughter's going to be in fourth grade. And then in a couple of years after that, our, our youngest is going to be in fourth grade. So we thought we could hit kind of three different cycles of national parks. We did kind of the southwest California mm-hmm. um, this time. Uh, and then we thought about doing Northwest at one point and then doing like the more like Yellowstone uh, Badlands kind of stuff for a third one. But yeah. so this one we went to uh, we flew into Nevada, which that in and of itself getting on an airplane going to Las Vegas is gross on any given day, but especially <laughs> scary. Uh, that was gross in, the, in January, in the, let alone. Yeah, yeah. Now. 
uh, we rented a, a van, which I gotta tell you, this we got this Dodge uh, Dodge van uh, or Dar- Dodge whatever the Dodge minivan. Caravan. Is. I'm very familiar. A Dodge Caravan. Yeah, Grand Grand Caravan is awesome. Uh, uh-huh. It was gray. We drove this thing uh, 2,790 miles. So almost a full oil change. Uh, and it, I even reset the thing of like total hours. We were driving 60 hours during the two weeks because we're just driving everywhere. Like driving from Las Vegas. We drove from Las Vegas to Green Canyon. We then went to uh, Kingman, Arizona or Seligman, Arizona the first time and stayed on Old Route 66. It was awesome. Yeah. We spent a lot of time on Old Route 66 for like the first three days. Um, and then went to uh, Joshua Tree National Park. Uh, Joshua Tree was awesome. I would like. I went into it thinking like, yeah, it's just a bunch of weird looking trees. And I uh, and I listened quietly listened to the U2 album. I was gonna say was not into it. You have <laughs> yeah. to listen to the U2 album. Uh, but I didn't listen. I listened to it like on the way. Like once we got in there, I knew like the rest of the car is not gonna want to listen to this. And I always forget that the. Like, uh, y- the U2 Joshua Tree album starts off with six songs that are Stone Cold classics that'll blow your mind. And then the last four songs are utterly forgettable. Falls like, real it ends, fast. It ends real bad. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just like, no, this is still playing. Like, the last song's about, like, a serial killer. Like, it's really, yeah. it's not a great You guys kind of ran out of steam on that one. Yeah, but, but really, that's all you need. You get, like, 30 minutes into that album, you're like, that's, yeah, yeah, okay, I can shut it off now. So... I did listen to that when we were going to Joshua Tree. Joshua Tree is just fantastic. They should just call it Giant Boulder State Park because it's just these huge boulders that everything is super climbable. Like it feels like like old concrete, like the super scratchy concrete, even though everything looks really smooth. So it's like super easy to climb on. And everything felt like I was either in Galaxy Quest or Star Trek, depending on where your frame (laughs) of reference is. But like the the scene in Galaxy Quest. Yeah, yeah, if you've seen in Galaxy Quest, like where the big stone monster comes and beats the guy, that's what it all felt like. Like, And I'm sure that they filmed that in Joshua Tree. Uh, That was awesome. We were there for a day. Um, Then we went to stay with our friends in Los Angeles, um, who are awesome, Kyle Jokum. Uh, friend of the pod, uh, he hasn't ever been on the podcast yet, but uh, uh, so <laughs> not yet. Uh, Kyle Jokum, mean... one, of, one of my oldest and best friends. Uh, uh, he is not older than me. One of my longest friends. Uh, I have friends who are very old, uh, and he's younger than me. But the uh, so we stayed with them for a while in Los Angeles. We went to uh, the Channel Islands, which are that was awesome. Um, then we went. We were going to go to Disneyland as part of our initial plan, but fortunately, Disneyland. Fortunately and unfortunately. Disneyland was closed, yep. fortunately, because it would have been a terrible place to go. And if it had been open, we it would have been really hard to be there and not go, yeah. <laughs> knowing that we had planned on going. So it was good that it was closed because then the temptation wasn't there. Then we went to Yosemite, which is where I want to live the rest of my life. Yeah. Uh, like we probably should just do a full-on episode about national parks at some point. So I'm going to leave most of that. But Yosemite, we stayed in there. We had a uh, like a cabin tent. A tent cabin, yeah, which is basically like a canvas Yurt. room, yeah, yeah. Uh, not even because it was shaped like a house. It was like how a how a first grader would draw a house, but and it and it fit into, like we all fit into it. It was awesome. It was amazing. Uh, in Curry Village is the place, and you're just surrounded by these giant peaks. The power was off for the first like three days that we were there, um, which was fantastic because one of the days that I was actually putting together our worship service like at one in the morning because there was zero Wi-Fi there, <laughs> and there was one I, there was actually one spot with Wi-Fi that it took me six hours to upload the, <laughs> the web, it, was, it was it was bad, um, but I was staying up super late to try to render this video because I was recording like the sermons and stuff along the way because I thought this would be awesome to do it in the national parks which was awesome in retrospect I'm glad I did it but it's kind of stupid to have done it that way, um, but so I'm in the middle of night in Yosemite and looking up at the clearest sky you've ever seen. Like it was like being in a planetarium where if you've ever been to a planetarium show and they show you all the stars at once and your brain's like, it, the sky never looks like this. Yeah. It looked like that in Yosemite. Uh, then I we went to- go so bad. I know. We Yosemite were, we were there for such- It's like, my favorite. I, I really, I will go back there. Uh, every every year if I can. Well, like when uh, Mac was Yosemite for a little while and they, the wallpaper was oh, the... Oh, yeah. I've never yeah. gone back. I've never switched off of the half dome. Oh, I need to find the the wallpaper for yeah. that again because I didn't care at that point. It was oh, just... I was just like, so yeah, it looks good. big mountains. It was, and I thought I had been there before because I took a trip like this when I was a kid, uh, but we definitely didn't go to Yosemite. We went to Yellowstone and everything else. Um, they sound alike. They are very different places. They're very different. And they're very far from each other. Yeah. Um, 
but so it was just amazing. Uh, we were there, like I said, for three days. I could be there for two weeks and there was still not enough. And it was uh, half closed, more than half closed. Like they had only recently reopened it and they closed it right after we left. Like, so we got in this weird window where uh, we were able to be like nothing really apart from from Disneyland. Nothing really got canceled on our trip. Right. It was really serendipitous. And again, as long as it's none of us, none of us end up having coronavirus, we'll see we in, really in 14 days. You know, <laughs> we did go to Arizona and California and Las Vegas, <laughs> three of the hottest top heads for coronavirus. We were masked and social distance as most we could be the whole time. Yeah. Um, then we went to Sequoia National Park, or we went to Kings Canyon, Sequoia. They're kind of combined. Kings Canyon, uh, I would rank it the lowest of the ones we went to, just because uh, half it was closed. And Kings Canyon, I mean, it was really, they were all great. So that's a lowest, meaning it, it was a B plus. Well, someone which, has to be lowest, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was a four out of five stars. Um, and it was just because there was a little less to do there, and it was the most closed down of all the stuff that we did. Everywhere we went, there were no ranger programs. There were no visitor centers open. So there was a lot of cool stuff that we didn't get exposure to. We just got the parks. Um, Which a lot of ways that, is okay. was okay. Kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then we went to Sequoia National Park, which was amazing. Uh, Sequoia National Park has the tallest plant, or the tallest plant, I guess, the tallest tree in the world, the General Sherman, and that was incredible. I have all these pictures that don't look anything like what we saw because the scale is too big. Like you're constantly doing things where your brain's like, I can't process all this information all at once. Um, and your brain is constantly telling you this doesn't make sense. Uh, the driving was insane. Uh, like I don't know how there aren't a hundred car accidents every year of people just driving off the edge because there is no guardrail. And, and when you're going to Yosemite, you're on these z- like going zip, 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 zip up this mountain. Yeah. And you're right up there. And if I pull, if I like drive off the mountain, drive off the edge of the road by like 18 inches, I'm just gone. Gone. Yeah. Down like a thousand feet. Yeah. Uh, There's like a guy they would I... not be able to get, that car would live there from then on. <laughs> There's a guy I watch on YouTube that lives out there that bikes, like road bikes. And some of those roads. Yeah, we bike. saw bikers, and I thought, what is wrong with you? It's so great. <laughs> Just going up the hills, it was crazy. We did see a car, like a fresh car from an accident that came yeah. off this hill uh, that had smashed into one of the few retaining walls, like or like edge walls. And fortunately, that wall was there because that person would have gone 50 feet right off over. of the edge, like straight into a big cavern. Um, so Sequoia was great, and then we ended in Death Valley, which was awesome. Yeah. Because it's Star Wars. <laughs> the whole thing is Tatooine <laughs> and Jakku. Uh, and and actual dunes, like a dune desert. It was so wild. Like, And that was our last day, so we're just driving through. And it was like 110 degrees when we were there. But it was actually a dry heat. And I know people are like, dry heat's not real. It's 100% it's a real. Because the... I was more comfortable at 110 in Death Valley than I was at 80 degrees and 90% humidity when we got off the plane in Pittsburgh. Like, yeah. I, they, I am a baby with humidity, and I don't have any patience for the for the weather right now in Pittsburgh. Oh, it's bad. It's horrible. It's bad. Um, yeah, and it hasn't. It didn't rain the whole time we were gone. So the nice thing is that my lawn did not really need mowed, <laughs> even though I hadn't been mowed for two weeks. Just kind of uh, stuck right where it was. Yeah, so that's I mean that's a that's a quick bare bones of what we did, and like I said, there's too much to. Re- At some point, we should really just like talk about like camping, national park, something like that. Yep. Uh, get get an outdoorsy person on as a guest, maybe someone named Ed or maybe. something like that, who who might be a good that might be a good topic maybe. for Mr. Sutter. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I've been up to, and uh, Jay, I was going to ask you know on a larger sense what you've been up to, but I think that that actually might dovetail into what we're going to talk about today. So I went and got myself a new job. Hey, so I've been Tyler. I've been Jay. And this is Rubbing Rubbing the the Pastor. Done with ministry. You're like out I'm of out, man. Totally God's done. joke. <laughs> churches, churches, fake. No, I uh, I have accepted a new call to a church. So back in February, uh, 
I got an email from someone at a church called Laboratory Presbyterian Church in Washington. Which is the coolest name for a Presbyterian church I've ever heard of. It gets better. I've learned yeah. stuff since you've been gone, so hang in there. It's just fantastic. Oh, when As soon as Jay told me about this, I Googled them, and the first thing that came up was someone oh, who reviewed man. their bathrooms. <laughs> and so like, I went to look for pictures of Laboratory Presbyterian, and it just was like a review. It was like, top-notch bathrooms, yeah. 4.5 out of 5. And so the first thing I said to Jay is like, hey, when you go there, make sure you use the bathrooms because I hear they're great. On my candidating Sunday, I was nervous, so I went to the bathroom like four or five times, and every time I walked in, I was like, this is a 10-star bathroom right here. This is just... <laughs> Outstanding. Uh, so in February, uh, I was getting ready to go into the February Presbytery meeting is how I know at Pittsburgh Presbytery is how I know all this uh, happened back then. Got an email from a, a person on the PNC at Laboratory Presbyterian Church. Would you consider uh, out of the interview? blue? You've out never of heard blue. of this place before. Yeah. This no happens idea. sometimes. It's, it's yeah. really no you're walking idea. down the street and someone offers you a job. And the email specifically said, like, we're looking for someone with youth experience, contemporary worship experience. And I was like, that sounds like me. I'll respond after the Presbytery meeting. So that was as we're walking in at Pittsburgh Presbytery or Pittsburgh Seminary, uh, I sit down and I get a phone call from Washington Presbytery. And it was the same uh, lady from the PNC. And it, it essentially left me a voicemail with the uh, information from the email. Hey, we th- saw your PIF. We're interested. Let us know. Uh, PIF, for those who don't understand yeah, what's going say. on, is a pastoral information form. It's like a resume that sometimes you just you, you get together. And having an active PIF doesn't even necessarily mean that you are looking to leave. It's just something that people do. Yeah. Uh, like it's, it's kind of a healthy thing to, to have that updated and it gets put in a database. And so when people are looking for pastors, it's like monster.com like it, or match.com. Like it kind of links you with similar attributes of different things. Right. Right. So the word pastor information is form is something you're going to hear and probably myth, yep. which is mission information form. It used to be called a SIF because we love acronyms. There are <laughs> uh, so many three letter acronyms in this process. So that it's it used to be called a SIF, which is church information form, which is basically like a resume for the church. Right. And now it's called mission information form because we thought that was a better word, but it's the exact same thing. And so the nice thing is that the pa- the, the church can look exact like, and you've answered these like narrative questions. So right. what do you think about this? And so they can look at you and get a good sense of who you are. And you also are interview like you are, checking out the church so right. you get to see exactly who they say they are which is really set you up for interview questions to be like you say this how are you that like it's yep. really it's a good it's a good process and that, that was really helpful in my case especially because it really did feel more like i was interviewing the church than it was they mm-hmm. were interviewing me um, so anyway so they call me leave voicemail uh, and i was like okay again i'll call when i get back then i'm leaving the presbytery meeting and Ed calls me. My good friend Ed Sutter uh, works across the hall from me at Westminster. He worked at a place called Pine Springs Camp. Yep, yep. In Jennerstown. This woman from the PNC was a volunteer weekly director at Pine Springs Camp and knew Ed very, very well. Ed was one of my references on my PIF. So she called Ed right after she had called me to say, hey, can you poke at him and see if he'd be interested in doing it? To which Ed thought this was like months in the offing that like, you know, they had been bugging me for a while and I was ignoring them or whatever. And I, mm-hmm. I said, no, this is all within five minutes. Um, so call this lady back. I said, you know what? I'll, why not? I'll come sit for that's, an interview. I got I to gotta say like from a, from a, a pastoral standpoint or just a personal standpoint, that's like a bunch of people just saying like five different people coming up to you throughout the day being like, wow, you're really pretty. Yeah. Right. Like you're probably going to sleep feeling real good about yourself at that yeah. point. <laughs> Yeah. They really like me. They yeah. really, really like me. Um, yeah, I think Ed even put it as, I think this church has a crush on you. Like, it, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I went and uh, had an interview with, with them, and they are a very small church. Um, there's 80 members, 35 in a, on a Sunday. Uh, so the the culture shock I am about to experience cannot be overstated to go from 1800 members and a full fledged staff and three worship services down to one service of 35 people. Well, and the interesting thing too, is that while that's, that's under the median size for the Presbyterian church, it's closer to the median size, way closer than Westminster. So the church that you're at currently, this big one is very anomalous within 
the mainline Protestant church right now. Right. Most churches are closer to 100 in, in number. Two, under 200 right. is kind of the average church size. So even like for people who aren't really in the church and they're, I know there's a big debate about like whether or not you should tax churches right now. Most churches are not the mega churches. Like, yes, right. I think that you should tax the mega churches, but don't tax Laboratory Presbyterian no. Church. They will get, they will close their doors tomorrow. Yeah. And as will 90% of the churches in America because uh, they cannot, they are nonprofits that are not making money. No. Uh, the big mega churches that are just like, seem to be making more money than hospitals, which are also nonprofits. Uh, that's a different scenario altogether. Yeah. yeah. So, so your church is more kind of more in line with where most Protestant churches are. Yeah. 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 With the exception that, and this was a number that kept getting floated that I kept not believing, uh, until Sunday when I was there in person, uh, that they're on the younger side. Um, they Hmm. have average 35 in worship and they were saying on their myth, (laughs) get my acronyms right. Uh, they're saying on their myth that they have 20 in Sunday school and about 11 in the youth group. Wow. And I was going, that doesn't make sense. Uh, it, like, it just doesn't add up. But then again, we were there last Sunday, uh, Sarah and I, two Sundays ago. And uh, the numbers add up. <laughs> they, were, they were a mostly younger congregation, people, you know, growing families, stuff like that. So it's like mm-hmm. that was attractive to me uh, to be able to do some youth ministry still, but not solely youth ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, so had a great conversation with them they actually turned around and extended the invitation to me like two days later mm-hmm. uh to be at, their pastor to be their pastor and i like, said will, it, did they give like pass you a note in study hall and said will you go out with us <laughs> circle yes no <laughs> sort of yeah <laughs> um and uh yeah and that felt really good but i was uh, you and i talked about it when they called i was like you know what this is going real fast yeah so i think think i'm the only pastor in recorded history who in this point in the interview process asked for a second interview i asked them to interview me again um nice which again was me interviewing them um Mm -hmm. and i couldn't another and i was just gonna say another thing in this process is that that we we forget and especially if you're not outside it like this is all inside baseball for the church but most people on these hiring committees are uh, they're called pastoral nominating committees They've never done this before, right? And usually, once you do it, you never do it again. Like right. it's so they no one has experience, and and there is a very set process that's actually really helpful, but there's a lot of steps and a lot of there's decorum that it's different than than hiring for a job where like you have the interview and you like hire in the room like that right uh, is not supposed to happen. I was at a church where they kind of did that, and I was like, well, this is weird. Like I don't yeah. like let us think about it, right? Um, well, because. And to be more spiritual about it, you are ultimately discerning both parties. The the yeah uh, C or the PNC. Let's throw another acronym in here: is the mm-hmm. pastor nominating committee. Uh, the pastor nominating committee and the pastor are both trying to figure out: is this the right move? Is this the right yeah. step? Yeah. Is this where God? There's is a lot of discernment goes on. That's not just like this is a good business decision, but right. this is a spiritual decision. This is who we feel God is leading to be our pastor, or this is who we feel. God, this is the place that God we feel is leading us to be a pastor of. Yeah. And particularly when you're moving into a different type of call. So having been an associate pastor for youth for over a decade. Yeah. Um, now being a solo pastor of a smaller congregation is completely different. Well, um, and part of it for me, and I was going to say, I'm so glad I did the second interview. Part mm-hmm, of it for me mm-hmm. was, you know, if you were purely looking at it from a business standpoint, going from being a part of a 1800 member super Presbyterian church with, you know, unlimited resources and abilities and whatever to the solo pastor of a 35 member or 80 member, but 35 on Sunday church. The question in my mind is, are you nuts? Like, like this seems like such an insane thing, but I kept wanting to do it. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that's, that I think is where calling, you know, people get called to the stuff they wanted to do from all, you know, all the time. Like I felt called to go mountain biking today. Like, yeah, that's not a call. That's just what you want. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We blame God for just use God as an excuse to be like, it feels like a good day to go. <laughs> right. When you get called to do something that objectively feels like, are you nuts? Um, yeah. That's when I start to pay attention to it. Um, 
So yeah, I, th- I can't remember how much we talked about call before, but th- I think that that was one of the things where the the times I felt most called by God were those kind of things. Where it's like I feel compelled to do this thing, but in a normal situation, I wouldn't want to do this no. at all. Like everything about my situation is telling me why would you do this, but I still feel like I'm supposed to do it. It's like oh yeah, that's because it's not me. Yeah, that's pushing this. Like it, clearly, it's something that's because I'm keep telling myself like no, this is dumb. Don't do this, and that, and yet I still feel like I'm supposed to do it. Yeah. And the other tricky part about this is that in this process, the PNC, in this case, I think there are five people in the PNC. That's all the contact you get with the congregation. You don't get yeah. to meet anybody Everything else. Everything is done relatively secretly. Right. For good reason. Like, it's not sure. trying to be sneaky. It's just you don't want um, you don't want people, especially if you are in a call right now, like you don't want people at your church to find out too early. Right. Uh, and, and you don't want them to find out that you were looking and not go. Like, yep. is there times that you, that you may interview with a church and then decide, no, I'm, this is actually confirmation that I'm in the right place right now. Well, and this and was, you don't want to poison the water by people thinking you got one foot out the door. Right. This would have been the perfect example, right? I wasn't looking. Yeah. No, um, yeah. I, I, I was not looking at all. And this one found me. So if someone had found out at Westminster somewhere halfway through this process, yeah, it would have looked like I was looking. I wasn't like this. Just found yeah. me. Um, so that second interview was what sealed the deal. Um, I felt pretty good about the first interview. The second interview, we sat together for three hours uh, and just talked about life, ministry, church, what their congregation was like, some of the people in it. Uh, Did you just like throw Titanic on in the background. Yeah, as a, as it, orchestra timer. played. The sunlight came through the. We'll talk until this movie's over. Once once we got a a frozen Neo, (laughs) we know it's time to wrap it up. Yeah, time to run. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, and and some of the stuff that attracted me to it, like the the one moment that I remember the most from that second interview was, I was asking about special services like Christmas Eve, Easter. Tell me what you do. And on Monday, Thursday, one of their traditions is they have this tiny little wooden cross at the front of their sanctuary. Um, And at the end of Monday, Thursday, the pastor goes and takes the cross off the wall and hands it to the congregation and they march it and the rest of the uh what do you mm. call pyramids out yeah so that by yep. the end of that service it's just this it's the stripping of the sanctuary yeah, yeah. and i went oh my gosh that's awesome yeah. like that's just so sweet the the stuff that you can do in a smaller church that you just can't physically or, or practically do in a bigger church yeah. well and here's the crazy thing how many so What's the pool that you have for your youth group right now? Which like you're kind of not the attendance necessarily, like in a normal situation where you're not having the virus kind of situation. Like I think I think if you look be... pure at the books, it's something like 120 kids or something like that. Yeah. Um, that and then how many do you have from? showing up? Uh, maybe how many you have? 30, 40 ish. So so what you're going to is a church that is comparable in size to the youth group, to the congregation that you have been in charge of for the last decade. That thought so, has come into my mind a lot. It's yeah, it's and, like running a youth group. And really the, the 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 pleasure in running a youth group, and that's a very big youth group for a for a mainline church. Absolutely. Uh, but the pleasure in running a youth group is that you can do it pretty nimbly. Uh, meaning like you it, it's when you're when you're helming a church your church recently uh, is, uh, I think, still in the process. Westminster still in the process for a head of staff. Yep. Um, and a lot of people are like, yeah, I want that one. It's like, I would never want that because you are running an institution like yep. that. You are piloting the Titanic. Like you're, you are, and to try to turn that and get it to change like that, it is long term planning for that. Whereas if you have a smaller church, uh, you don't have all the resources, but boy, you can you can turn on a dime. You're yeah. driving in a in a speedboat. Like you can. Uh, it may be a speedboat with a motor that needs some work, but it can you can change course pretty quick. And most people are more likely to be on board because they aren't coming there because of the institution. They're coming there because of the relationships. Yeah. And and that's not to 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 dump on bigger churches. Bigger no. churches have so many great things going on. But there is something. Uh, um, I love the size of my church, which is just a hair bigger than than laboratory. Uh, because one, as a pastor, I said kind of flippantly, I may have said this on the podcast before. I said flippantly one time in, in, in seminary before I knew what I was talking about. When I first heard about a 2000 member church or 20,000 member church, I heard about the heretic <laughs> Rob Bell's church. Yeah. There's 20,000 members. Like oh, that's, that's twice the size of the town I grew up in. Uh, <laughs> like it really is the town. I grew up in Washington, Iowa, which I haven't said in a while. Uh, <laughs> and it was 8,000 members when I was there, 8,000 people. 
and that's that's a that's too small. That's that's a, a fraction of Rob Bell's church. And I yeah. thought that's just insane. That's not a church. That's a town. It's a city in Iowa. Yeah. And uh, and so I just kind of casually said, I think I don't think a church should be bigger than two hundred members. Because I. Uh, and I don't know where I got that number. I think I was just quickly thinking of like a school, like a yeah. principal can kind of know most of the kids in a school that's about 200, 200 kids. And in a, as a pastor, you can kind of know, you can, you can at least be f- familiar with everybody in the church if it's 200 under. And I'm at a church that's just under 200. And, it, and there's something about that that's so rewarding. Because I feel yeah. like if you get bigger than that, then you, then the institution part of it takes over, which again, is not bad because you can do a lot of things with a big church that you can't do with a small right. church. But well, that's what uh, I was going to say. That, like, like, yeah, it is. I, I want to be unequivocally clear that I am not bashing Westminster in any way no. in any of this. This is not a, this church is better than the other church or no. why can't this new church be like the old church? Like right. it's not a either or it's just, uh, I am different. I different think I call. will continue to hold in my mind uh, as an accomplishment forever Westminster, in terms of mission dollars, has done more in the 10 years, that for 13 years that I've been there, than I think any church will ever be able to do cumulatively for the rest of my career. Like, we we had the ability, we still have the ability to impact more change on a big scale than Mm -hmm. any of the smaller churches do, and that's fantastic. And the youth ministry, well, we'll get to the the transition of youth ministry stuff and how hard that can be. Um, well, and that, I mean, it awesome. speaks to just even on a larger personal level. Like, there's nothing wrong with being wealthy as right. long as you're using that wealth to do good things. Exactly. There's, and, and so we don't. The, God is not calling everybody to be poor people, but if you're going to be wealthy, that means you have greater responsibility to use those resources to do good things. That's yeah. when the problem becomes where. And there's many churches that are about this too. Uh, Westminster is not one of them, so this is not a, a thinly veiled target at Westminster, but. Uh, there are many churches that have that wealth and then they become so obsessed with the endowment or the like we got to save this money preserve this for the future rather than doing actual ministry and mission right. with this stuff and so if you're not spending in a way that is uh costly yeah in, in a way that's that's a little scary that's bigger than what you can manage then i'm not sure then that then it's just uh, in general, uh, churches that have a lower income level have more tithers, yeah, by far than wealthy churches yep. because people who don't have very much are very are more able to see how much what they have comes from God and willing to trust in God. And so, you have someone who makes fifteen thousand dollars a year is going to give fifteen hundred of that to a church or an institution, whereas you have someone who makes. Uh, one point five million dollars a year. Who will give five thousand dollars right. to charity? <laughs> because right. they see the money as something that needs to be protected, uh, that they control. Whereas the low, the less money we have, we realize, oh, I have no. This has nothing to do with me. It's very. I'm working really hard, and I'm still not getting very much. So I need to trust God. And the people, the times that I needed this, it helped me. So I need to put it there for somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. That that all that said, like again, I'm not running away from Westminster so much as I am mm-hmm. running to this new thing. Um, we end that second interview, and I say, I'm going to Nashville for a week. Uh, let me use that time to discern and to figure out a couple more things. And uh, w- once I finish that, I'll come back and let you know. Drove to Nashville, uh, talked to a couple really good mentors and friends uh, who just happened to be on that retreat with me. Uh, and that week decided that it was the right call. It's time to accept the call. So on March 12th, which is a very important date, <laughs> I called uh, the PNC and said, I'm in. Uh, totally in if you're, if you're good to have me. Uh, and they said, eh. Yeah. <laughs> no, they I said. I don't know. We've been, we, do you want to have another interview? <laughs> we aren't sure. <laughs> no, they enthusiastically welcomed me, uh, extend the invitation. We set a few dates in, in play, and I hung up the phone in my hotel, and the news was still playing in the background on the TV. And as soon as I hung up the phone, the NBA canceled their season because of coronavirus. Oh, no, I, man. And I went, that may ha- impact <laughs> some of what just got agreed to. I do love, respectively, that uh, this is just a little aside. That for both of us, uh, I've heard you say that you knew this was a real thing when the NHL canceled their season. Yeah. And I knew this was a real thing when Major League Baseball canceled their season. <laughs> like, that's I was like, oh, man, 
I, th- I don't think this thing's going away. This is a problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Both, where both of us were like, NBA? All right. Yeah. Okay, whatever. But Major League Baseball? <laughs> National League Hockey? Not oh, good. No. Not good. Yeah. So that that put us, as you kind of alluded to earlier, into the holding pattern to end all holding patterns, where I knew I had accepted the job. I knew I was going to go there. And to put it into perspective, this is July. Yeah. That was four months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've been sitting on this for quite a good while, um, which felt at times super dishonest. Um, yeah. You know, Westminster's trying to make plans for the future, and I'm sitting around going, I don't know if I'm going to be a part of the, that future. Yeah. Um, yeah. In and fact, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be. <laughs> and yeah, and while it's a pretty, it's it's not it's it's a pretty locked in deal at that point when the PNC nominates someone, it's not a hundred percent. It right. has to be approved by the congregation after they hear you preach. So, which usually happens within a couple of weeks right? or uh, definitely within a month. And then you had to wait until two weeks ago yeah, to it, have that. Sorry. So this, yeah, I opened that sermon, the candidating sermon by saying, I'm not usually late for things, but I'm sorry that this is two months behind schedule. Cause like it was, it was a solid two months Man. after it was Jeez. supposed to have happened. Um, so, so that was rough. Um, but yeah, as as people start, I was about to say as coronavirus subsided, which is not accurate. Nope. Uh, it's worse now than it was in March. <laughs> as people started to open things up, <laughs> yeah. um, and pretend like coronavirus had subsided. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Some meetings started to be able to be uh, to take place, so the ball started rolling, and and all all systems go. So. Had a had a lovely time uh, in worship there um, at laboratory. It was just what I was looking for in terms of you know again everything we said earlier about the difference between small church and big church. Um, when you have two months in that liminal space, you start to romanticize what small church can be. Um, yeah. And I was like, I wonder if I'm making this into something it's not. And then I went to worship with these super sweet people, and I was like, No, this is it. This is what I was looking for. Um, <laughs> so what's the password uh, in, yeah. in the sense of uh yeah <laughs> um in the sense of like kind of taking the turn to the the topic of this this theology of transition yeah so this is a transition and and, and you've had many transitions in your life but this is kind of the biggest one especially over the last 10 years is a long time to be in youth ministry what has it been 12 years how long so, are you at westminster i've been at westminster for, well it depends on when you start counting from um because i was an intern at Westminster back in 2005. Um, Mm. And then I went away for a little while to finish up college and things like that. Um, But then it was 13 years full-time at Westminster, which is a that's 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 the longest, like, especially in the the Presbyterian Church um, for for youth ministry, the average youth minister is a a year and a half. Yeah. Which tells you, I mean, that, that most... Youth ministry lasts most that I know lasts longer than that, but it tells you how much like some people burn out in a month. Yeah. So it is that's the average, and you were there for thirteen years in the I, same position. I was there in thirteen years. I'll, I'll I'll give some major kudos to Westminster again here. I was there for thirteen years with my best friend. Um, yeah. I think it's comical that one youth pastor could make it for thirteen years. Yeah. I think it's absurd that a church would pour enough time, energy, resources, and care into their youth ministry that two youth pastors could last for 13 years um says a lot about just how well we were cared for at westminster and uh yeah well, and, and how after. well you you work together as well yeah. yeah like you grew in tandem not apart yeah so anyway so trans the idea of transition in terms of a theological understanding and now this is like one of the biggest exposures you've had to that in terms of sense of call like how where do you feel god in this situation we talked a lot about the the logistics of it, but how's yeah. God working through this whole thing? It's it's a a weird batch of emotions um, that I think point to the theological reality at head. Um, you know, because again, I uh, I've, I very much have felt called to this from the beginning um, that this was got something God was inviting me into, um, and I, it was <laughs> impossible to say no to it. Um, but that doesn't take the sting out of a couple weeks ago, we did a parking lot picnic with the youth group, uh, and to look them all in the eyes and say, I'm leaving, um, is so heart wrenching. Um, uh, 
you know, some of the kids, well, the seventh and eighth graders that just got there were like, who are you? That's fine. Go ahead. Um, but the, the seniors and the juniors, the juniors are some of the hardest because the seniors are like, well, my whole year is messed up anyway. Right. Whereas like the juniors are like the, the rising seniors. Yeah. They're like, I just stay one more year. Yep. That was in fact, exactly what, uh, what a few of them said, uh, in between looking like they wanted to punch me. Um, and that's hard. You know, we, we talk a lot about being Enneagram nines. Like, I don't want to do that to anybody. I don't want to cause conflict or uh, otherwise damage somebody's day, let alone entire senior year. Um, but it, 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 again, just kind of reaffirms the like, I, in spite of all that, uh, in spite of all that kind of turmoil and, and gut-wrenching emotion that I wish I didn't have to cause people, I am still charging towards this thing. Um, that it very much affirmed the call, which again, Presbyterians use this call language. I think personally we overuse it. Um, yeah. It, it, like we it, said, I wanted to go for a walk today. So I felt like God was calling me to just right. go outside. Like yeah. chill out with that. I think, um, you know, this feels very much like a legitimate call in that I know it's going to cost me something, but I have to go do it anyway. Yeah. Um, and that even the process itself was so there's so many times in which you could have yeah. uh, dropped out. Yeah. So it just felt like, you know, it was kind of that. I know this is going to cost me something, but uh, and it, it, back to that, even there were times in the pandemic and the shutdown in that weird two months sitting around waiting where I was like, is this really what I'm supposed to do? Like, is this, are you sure? Um, and to keep coming back to a consistent, yep, that's absolutely what needs to happen. And and mm-hmm. to have that all very confirmed a couple Sundays ago, meeting these people for the first time that are going to be the congregation and going, yep, this is home, um, was a feeling that you felt the minute you walked in the door. Um, so, yeah, it, it's a good mix of pain and, and, uh, and excitement all at the same. People keep asking, like, are you excited? And I'm like, I'll get there. Yeah. Uh, it's I'm, a I'm, weird emotion that d- it doesn't make sense to have all that stuff together. Right. I, I had been wondering, I, so I'd looped um, my colleagues, my pastors in on the fact that I was leaving uh, almost right at the beginning when I got back from Nashville. I told the two of them that I'd accepted the call. Um, and I'd asked my, my senior pastor, who's an interim at this point, um, which was incidentally super big kudos to to Bruce, um, I, uh, having a interim pastor who didn't have quite the emotional stake in this thing to talk to through all of this mm-hmm. was so helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I wasn't leaving him after 13 years. Um, yeah. uh, it, so that was, that was really, really helpful. Um, but I asked him kind of jokingly, like, which do you think will be harder? The, the um, candidating sermon that is your entire career hangs on your ability to preach this. The one sermon. Yeah. The one sermon that you will be graded on immediately following or the last sermon at the whole church. Um, And I will tell you right now in the middle of writing the last sermon, it's the last sermon is the hardest to write and to preach and to it's ending well and starting well is both really important and really hard. Yeah. Um, but it just is what it is. And it's humbling, especially the last sermon, because you're like, uh, this is not the church of Jason. I've been no. here for so long. But uh, but Jesus is still here, and I was blessed to be part of this. So I'm now helping you all to realize that you belong to this church. You don't belong to me. Yeah. Uh, and I'm still going to be a person. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I still exist in the world. Of, yeah. yeah. And we're, but, but, I don't know if this will get weird or not. Sarah and I are not moving. Uh, we're staying in, in our house here in Bethel Park. Uh, so yeah, that, be, that'll get weird. That'll yeah. get weird. It's a slight not, I mean, not overly commute. weird, but yeah, it's, that's weird. I didn't, when I moved from my last church to the church I'm at now, I, I've been in the same house, and it was kind of weird. The nice thing is that my house is actually like 20 minutes away from both of the churches, so yeah. <laughs> didn't really make a huge difference, yeah. but it was still a little weird. Everybody knew where we still were. I was going to say, like, I will surely run into people at coffee shops and grocery stores, again, when that's a thing people do. Um, but yeah. Well, and I would say the, the, to kind of broaden it out, we've been talking very specific about pastoral calls and things like that. But, uh, the thing I would put to all, to 
anyone out there like there's probably i know there's some pastors who listen to this but most of the people who listen to it aren't pastors or planning on going to the ministry the call process is not just for no pastors uh, and people overuse it too much and kind right. of use it as an excuse to just say like oh it's fate or like god wants me to do this not always right um but it's i think that we have a natural uh, what we often refer to as our conscience is really God just kind of saying, I think you should do this. And we're real good at rationalizing our ways into why we shouldn't do those things, right. whether it's the right thing or just a thing that uh, a, a new kind of step in life. And yeah. what I think the important thing about this transition process is that for all of us that we have this transition, the, the more discerning you are about when you have that persistent voice that keeps saying, I think you should really consider this, yeah. then you should really consider it. Uh, and if it doesn't go away, and especially if it's kind of against your better knowledge, yeah. you're against your, your better wisdom, still go for it. Yeah. It, 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 I think pastor types have such a hard time putting words around this call thing because it's so squishy, right? Like there yeah. was no voice, right? Like I never yeah, heard no, a voice no. saying you should take the laboratory job. Like it's yeah, there's just, no burning bush. There's right. no burning bush. Uh, I it's wish really, that there was, it would be so much simpler. Well, And this is, this is more, it sounds sacrilege, but it's not. The relatable character in the Bible, the relatable person in the Bible, is less Moses and Old Testament people where God's like, go do this thing, <laughs> or Jonah, and more Jesus, Yeah, where Jesus is like, am I supposed to do this thing? <laughs> like, Jesus know. in the Garden of Gethsemane, which it seems weird, Gethsemane, it seems weird to highlight Jesus as the person who doesn't know what's going on that we relate to, but there's a very clear part of the gospel story where Jesus is saying, I know what I'm supposed to do. But I don't want. I'd really, I'd really rather not. Yeah. So if we could do anything else, just let me know. Yeah. Uh, but but I still want to do what you want to do. So like, that's 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 the call process where there's so many times where it's like I don't want to leave this comfortable, safe place, and I can give you all the reasons why I sh- shouldn't leave and why it's good for me to stay. But I have a sense that you want me to do something else because yeah. I can't stop doing this. So if there's any other way to do it, let me know. If not, I'm still gonna I'm gonna, just gonna do what you want me. To do. I've said to a few people if there was any way for me to do both. I would, yeah. I would do it. Like if I could yeah. f- practically, physically figure out a way to be in both places at the same time, that would be awesome. But, yeah. um, and that's, I think that's the part where call gets overused is calls that don't cost you something. Yeah. Probably aren't calls. No. Um, every, and every call requires discernment that is hard. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, sometimes it's, and, and that, that's not, to, there's sometimes the things that are easy, like, Hey, I'm in this terrible relationship. I need to get out of it. Like that's that, that, I mean, that may be hard to leave, but it's easy to know what the right thing to do is. Right. But then there are other situations where it's like, there's good reasons to do either of these. Yep. Uh, but I'm feeling compelled in this direction. And why is that? Is it because I want more personal things or is it because of something outside of my normal yeah. desires? Uh, I feel led to go in this direction. And, and, and so I think, yeah, to your point that this isn't all just pastors listening or roughing the pastor, like there's the word that, and I don't want to paint it as like, you know, Captain America or something like that, but bravery is required on a big level in something like this. Um, to there, There's that moment of, it was the call in the hotel room. It was the moment of, okay, you're really doing this. Yeah. You're really doing this. Swallow yeah. deep because here we go. Uh, and there's that, that one point of like, you're not turning back now. Um, it's that, that personal bravery, which yeah. is that thing where it's like no one's going to give you a medal of freedom for that. But <laughs> it is that you are potentially shaking up your world. Yeah. And those are the hardest ones, especially because we can justify why. Well, that would be a, it's a good thing I didn't do that. Like five years down the road, it's like, man, I, I, I never tried that thing. And that probably would have been a disaster. But yeah. you don't know if you don't try. And I think that's translatable to everything right now in this coronavirus mm-hmm. world. Like mm-hmm. everything the has to be different. Has been wiped, and the slate has been wiped clean for a yeah. lot of us. Like we, a lot of what we used to be able to do, we cannot do uh, when we can go back to that. And this is not just churches, but for all of us, when we go back to that stuff, do we need to jump back onto what we were doing or can we change stuff? And now that we're in this in, in exile, yeah. uh, how do we live our life? You know, like what, what can we do? Cause we can do so much right now. What can we do that's fruitful? Uh, and how can that change the way that we transition to other stuff? So maybe God's working on you right now to say like, Hey, you know, all that energy that you put into the stuff that you can't put into right now, that's kind of pointless. So maybe you could put that energy into something else. Well, this is, this is a big, big thought to drop at the very end of all this, but, 
uh, Tyler and I are in this church planting cohort and we were doing, my coaching group was doing a coaching call the other day. And, you know, we were talking about my new position at, at a very old established, not church plant. Uh, and another one of our guys is thinking about starting a nonprofit. Uh, and one of us joked that it was like, we're in this church planting thing. No one's planting churches. Like everybody's doing the like established thing. And I said with coronavirus, every church is a church plant right now. Every, every church. And it's never going to go back to the way it was. Like that's the reality that we need to accept. It will never be what it was. Yeah. Even when it looks like what it was and we try to pretend like it wasn't. It'll never be there. And we need we need to stop complaining about all the stuff that the church like, I wish I could do this, but the church is just so obsessed with this. Right now is the time that they can't do those things. So let's build systems to put into place that when we go back, we can say, yeah, all that like VBS that was a waste of time. We don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. Uh, let's do something else instead of it. Like, let, let's not just drop things. Let's see what we can do in lieu of those things. So this I will end here uh, before a Twitter question uh, because I'm learning that now that I'm, I've am i got one foot in both places, uh, there's as likely to be Westminster listeners to Roughing the Pastor as there are to be laboratory listeners of Roughing the Pastor. Hey, hello, so, laboratory. I hear you have some fantastic bathrooms. <laughs> and hello, Westminster. Why do you not have automatic lights in your bathrooms? That's real. That's a question. Uh, we'll You're work on the can, exit interview. You should have automatic lights in your bathrooms. I walk in there and I don't know where the light switch is and I'm in the dark. Yeah. So to my Westminster people, again, I'll say it a thousand more times between now and then. Thank you for everything. Uh, again, I wish I could stay, but this is where God's calling me. But man, what a ride for 13 years. Um, yeah. Thank you all so much. And to Laboratory, could we clear out some space somewhere for a quick podcasting desk? Because we're not going to have Studio South anymore and we might we might need some help of course this is working maybe we'll just zoom for forever it is it's it's definitely workable you just need to get yourself a a mic that's not yeah property of everything i own is property of westminster yeah maybe westminster as a parting gift can just give you a microphone and a a portable recorder yeah we'll see we'll see hey westminster give jay a microphone (laughs) and a portable recorder yeah i can tell you they aren't incredibly expensive for for a church with a budget in fact a little expensive for a pastor with no budget (laughs) i very nearly bought a couple the other day just to just to have my my own personal i will you should yeah yeah okay well so yeah that was the twitter question uh other twitter question what's your favorite national park oh Uh, man but we'll get we'll get back to that yeah well anyway well i've been tyler i've been jay and this has been Rubbing the, the pastor. pastor. All right, everybody. See you next week. Have a wonderful time. <laughs>